0: Well, welcome to the village. It's good to see all of you here today. Um, we are in a new series on Haggai. Um, it's in the Old Testament. I don't know. So the Old Testament. Let me just get a, let me just get a hand raising. How many have ever read the book Haggai? All right. Like a few of you. Oh, good, good. So y'all are just super familiar with it. It's one of your favorite books to read. Um, but it is in the Old Testament, and it is a minor prophet. Um, so if you don't know how the old and New Testament work, the Bible is made up of two parts, Old Testament New Testament. Um, the Old Testament, Testament can mean promise or covenant. So the Old Testament is all about the old promise or the story of creation and then God's story with Israel. And his promises he made to them and the way he relates to them and engages them. And the New Testament, or the new promise, is Jesus and his relationship with humanity and God basically becoming man and beginning the process of restoring what was broken in the beginning. The old and the two promise connect to each other, they're integrated with each other, they're not separate, um, but they are, in some ways, two different stories, Um in the way that they're told and explained. And so tonight, we're in a minor prophet. And this minor prophet, if you don't know where he is, you can go to Matthew and you can go back three books, I think. Um, but if you have a black Bible, I believe it's on 937. But this minor prophet is speaking to the Israelites once they've come back from exile. So in about, I think, 586 B.C., the Babylonians destroyed Solomon's temple, took the Israelites and brought them into exile. So just ran them over. Um, But 70 years later, they started coming back. Now an interesting thing, um, just a side note of your historian, when Jesus came onto the scene, they were still coming back. They hadn't stopped. It was a a, a migration. People were still returning to Jerusalem and to Israel. But in particular, here... They've been back a while. This happens about 520 B.C. Okay? Israelites have come back. And Haggai is the first of the prophets um, to kind of talk to them about things. So, we're going to look at him. But before we do that, I want to start out tonight in 1 Corinthians. Now that you've all gotten to um, Haggai, you can stay there. Um, But I want to go to 1 Corinthians 6. 19. Actually, I'll start in, uh, yeah, in 18. So, 1 Corinthians 6:18. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he says, "Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God?" You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The idea that... I don't want to spend a long time talking about sexuality or anything like that today. We'll get to that this year. But all I want you to get out of this verse is just one real key thing that hopefully most of all of you know. is that if you're a follower of Jesus, your body is God's temple. It's not your own. Right? Once you become a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in you, you've been bought, you've been purchased. Remember last week we talked about how you've been marked by the Holy Spirit. You're his and your body is his. Okay. Now, I don't know how many of you make New Year's resolutions. Let's just check. Let's see, how many of you? I knew the village. Look at that. Like two of you. Okay, well, here's your pastor going to say that you need to make them, and I'm going to make an argument about that tonight, okay? That you need to make resolutions. And and Haggai is a good book for us to think about this because it's talking about the rebuilding of the temple, and your bodies are temples. And one of the things that you and I need to do is be in a place where we're actually analyzing where we are with God and what's going on with us and how we're in relationship with Him. So I want to quickly, before we get to Haggai, turn to um, Colossians chapter 3. You can write this down, Colossians chapter 3, um, verse 15. And this again is Paul. And this is what he says about how you and I are supposed to be. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed... (laughs) do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's what I want you to hold on to as we enter into Haggad. Number one is that your body is God's temple, and number two, the mode or the purpose or the thing that you're supposed to be about is the peace of Christ. So when someone experiences you, the moving temple of God, what they're supposed to experience is the rule of peace in your life. And when they experience the rule of peace, community happens and people are transformed and you're transformed, okay? So tonight we're going to kind of look at that idea and we're going to allow the prophet Haggai to challenge us in a way where we can kind of look at what does it look like to bring the rule of peace into our life. So we're going to start out and I'm, I'm just going to skip a few names here and you can read them in your own head, all right? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and you can, to Zerubbabel, son of, and I don't know who his dad was, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoiadach, I think, the high priest. So, this is dated. Somewhere in August 29th or December 18th, somewhere in there, this happens. Now, the reason that. Haggai likes to give dates as he's, you know, he's probably very influenced by the Babylonians and their accuracy. This is when this happened. Okay, so here he shows up on the scene. and This is what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, while this house remains in ruin. So, exiles have come back, and they it's not like they've walked away from God. It's not like they wouldn't identify themselves with God. But as they're living out their life, and as they're building their homes and stuff, they, they know they're supposed to build the temple, but what they keep saying is, We're going to do that later. It's more important to get this done. Right? And one of the things that I think you and I, as we begin to look at our lives, and there's that nagging thing of, man, i got to take care of this thing, or I need to deal with this thing in my life, a lot of times we take the same approach that Haggai, the people in Haggai's time, which is, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Maybe next week. Maybe I'll take that, I'll do that diet next week. Maybe I'll, you know what it is, right? You know in your head the thing that you're putting off till next week or next month or next year or the next time you see that person, right? That you're putting those things off. And what God says is, okay, but if you work so hard on the temple, I mean on your own homes, why, why are you leaving the temple in ruin? Isn't, isn't, aren't your priorities askew? Aren't, isn't something wrong here? And then he goes on, and he says, and this is this phrase I want you to, to take note of in verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have pl- planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, and he says this again. Be careful, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see in turn, out it turns out to, to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruin. Well, Each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withered their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the oil and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. I want to hang on to this this phrase. What Haggai is asking... What God's asking through Haggai of these people is to take, give careful, take a careful look at your life. Okay? I think the reason that most of us don't make resolutions is one, we think I will never keep them, but two, giving a careful look to your life is actually difficult. It requires time and energy and forces you to face things and maybe it's going to produce more anxiety. I don't know. But I would like to argue tonight that it is actually good at the beginning of the year for you to begin to analyze what's going on in your life and to take a look at it and to give careful kind of thought to what's going on. Now what God says here is that there's some cause and effect going on. There's some impact in the relationship with Him. And so the experience that they're having, and a lot of you probably understand this experience, which is, You work really hard, you save a bunch of money, and then as soon as you get all the money you want in your bank, your car breaks down and it's not $200, it's $1,000. right? There's never enough. It doesn't quite satisfy. So what I'd like to offer you tonight is a way of kind of beginning the process of carefully looking at your life because what I want you to do is begin to ask the question, if I'm a temple of God is the rule of peace present in all the areas it needs to be? Is the rule of peace something I'm experiencing? So when people, if I were to ask people, well, what do you experience when you hang out with that person? And would they say, I experience the rule of peace. That person has their life underneath God. I want you to seriously think about that. So I'm going to give you some ways to do that. Now, because we had technical difficulties, I don't have any of my slides, so I'm going to have to try to explain this to you. But a while back, we talked about something called um, basically an emotional wellness chart. We were talking about the hot seat model, and so I was giving you some ways to kind of look at your life, right? So I want you to kind of think through this with me. So the first thing on this wellness chart was your spirituality, okay? And the thing that it was that the, you need to analyze when you kind of think about, okay, what's the rule of peace in my life, is your spirituality. And that is, do you lead a repentant life? Remember last week, we talked about what repentance is. And repentance isn't just me saying, I'm sorry for what I did to you. But repentance is actually a change in worship. Repentance is a change in direction, okay? So when Jesus comes on the scene and says, the kingdom of God is here or near, repent, what he's saying is, I am the king and I'm here, and you need to worship me instead of the things that you're worshiping. So the first thing that you need to do when you begin to look, take a careful look at your life is to ask yourself, okay, God, where are the areas where my worship is misplaced? It's really easy to figure out how your areas are what areas your worship is mixed up in, okay? What do you organize your life around? Worship is simply organizing your life around something. And if I, what can I take away from you where you wouldn't just be sad and disappointed, but you'd be pretty angry at me? You would get mad at me. Or it would disrupt your routine in life. It's a good way of trying to figure out what things you're worshiping, what's misplaced in your life, okay? Because if you want the rule of peace in your life, you have to bring your worship underneath Jesus and not at your Xbox, right? Or you need to bring it underneath Jesus and not at the feet of your husband or wife. You need to bring it underneath Jesus and not at the feet of your children, right? That's the first process you have to ask. It's, okay, where am I really looking for... My approval, where am I looking for things to work out? What's going to get me upset if it disappears? Where am I going to get kind of angry about things if that doesn't happen right for me? So that's kind of the overarching thing. But then there's some things underneath it in that chart. And the first one is relationships. So as you're processing your life, a good question to ask yourself is, what do my relationships look like? What's my relationship with my mom look like? What does my relationship with my dad look like? What does my relationship with my spouse, my kids, my friends? Like, list out the people who you run into each week who are part of the rhythm and say, okay, what's going on in my relationship? And let me just give you a way to think about this. I want you to think about it in the way of debt, okay? So if you think about your mother and you get angry then ask yourself, what do I think my mom owes me? Because when you're angry, you believe someone took something from you and you're not getting what you want, and they owe you. Right? So, as you look at your relationships, does that relationship bring up anger? And what do you think that person owes you? As you look at your relationships, if there are relationships that you're like, wow, man, I, I feel really guilty. Like I feel guilty, like I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. I owe that person, right? I owe them. There's a debt, right? I want you to think about it in the context of greed, right? Because greed is I owe me. So when you, you, when you begin to think about your relationships, and you think, man, that relationship seems to push on all the things that I want to keep for myself. They're always asking for something from me, right? And I don't want to give it. It's mine. And the last one to kind of think about is just jealousy, which is God owes me. I look out at these relationships, and I want the thing that Karen has. I want Karen's car. Why didn't God give me Karen's car? I don't know what Karen's car is, but she should. he should give it to me. You don't want my car. Anyway. So, I, kind of as you think about these relationships, it's just kind of enlightening to realize, sort of, some of the debts that you believe are owed, or you owe, or God owes. Like it's a good way to kind of analyze your relationships as you think about, okay, is the rule of peace in my life here? Because if you think you owe something, or someone owes you, God owes you, in the context of those relationships, then the peace of Christ isn't there. Debt owed is not peaceful in relationships. The next one is your emotions. You need to give careful thought to them. I think a lot of us are just like, hey, I'm an angry person. That's just who I am. an Irish, right? That kind of thing. We, we, we kind of justify our emotions. But it's a good time at the beginning of the year to say, it's a peace of Christ rule in my emotions. Maybe it's you're depressed and you, need, you are emotionless and you need to take a look at it and say, okay, does the peace of Christ rule here? And write down if it does or not. Our environment, your environment. I think it's a big one. I said this last time I talked on this, but we know from environmental psychology that your environment, your physical environment impacts you, right? And so you need to think about it. A lot of times, you, I'm sure you're in places in your life where you're like, I need to get out of here. This is not a good place for me to be. I can't keep going to these situations. right? Maybe it's a bar. Maybe it's you need to rearrange your house. Maybe you need to purge everything and paint the walls. These are actually spiritual things. These are things to bring your life under the peace of Christ. Maybe you're home. Maybe you're outside. Maybe the different environments you're in aren't peaceful, and you need to either get out of them or you need to transform them. And God's saying it's time for you to do that. Environment impacts us. The next thing you need to look at is your occupation. Because you know what? Every time you introduce yourself to somebody, you say, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. And once you remember the person's name, the next question is, well, where do you work? What do you do? Oh, you're a mom. Oh, you're an engineer. Like our work, the thing that we put our energy behind, it gives us identity. It gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. And the question we have to ask is, is that a place where I'm worshiping and getting identity from, apart from God? Is the peace of Christ in my life there? Or am I so anxious to hang on to the identity that my work gives me that I won't let go? There's two more to kind of think through. The next one is your intellect. I think it's important. Romans 12, 1 tells us to renew our minds. Scripture is all about mind renewal. I don't know if it's just the where our culture is going, but most of us seem to have become very obsessive-compulsive. Some of us come by it legitimately, others of us not. But we, our brains are just constantly going and going, and the, the amount of information that we're processing keeps getting dumped into head, and we're... We're kind of going crazy, right? And part of the beginning of the year, and I think the call of bringing the peace of Christ into our life, is saying, okay, I need to analyze what actually is happening up here. I need to have a strategy about the way I deal with information and how it comes in to my mind and how it, what, what it produces in me. Like, does the peace of Christ actually rule in my mind or is my mind somewhere else? And we need to we need to begin the process of renewal, and we'll we'll talk about that. But the last one is our physical bodies. You need to do a physical inventory. You need to say, oh, where am I physically? Am I in shape? Am I not in shape? Is this temple like? Am I eating well? Am I not eating well? Is the physical part of me am I like? What am I doing sexually? All those kinds of things I have to think about. And it's good at the beginning of the year just to do an inventory, ask those questions. Right? This is what careful thought means. It means breaking your life down and actually intentionally thinking about it. Now, I gave you guys an assignment last week. When I look around here, about a third of you were here. So, most of you don't know the assignment. So I will give you the assignment again, and I will suggest that you go back and listen to the sermon online. But the assignment out of the sermon last last week was that you get yourself a journal. If you don't have one, you go get one. Okay? This year, you need to start now. Get a journal. And the thing that I, I had two assignments. One assignment was that you need to put 20 prayers in that book that journal, for this year, okay? And the 20 prayers, we're going to start five prayers for yourself, five prayers for your family, five prayers for this church, and five prayers for the larger community, people that you're reaching out to, places in the city that you really care for, those 20 things. You don't have to limit it to 20, but I suggest that you start with 20 and that those be the categories. And that you begin to pray those all year and begin to write in that journal what God is doing about them. The second part of the assignment last week that I gave you was that you needed to also, as God is answering things in your life and doing things, you also need to write down what God is doing in everybody else's life. So when you're in pilgrim group and someone stands up and says, this is what God has done, or they don't usually stand up, but I don't think I've been in a pilgrim group where anyone stands up when they talk, but maybe we should start that. Um, a pilgrim group is just our small little groups of where we study Scripture and work on each other's lives and all that kind of stuff. But you need to write down, if God does something crazy in somebody's life, write it down. We want to create this journal that's full of the actions of God in our community so that as we go out and offer the peace of Christ to the world, we have something that we're anchored to. and We're like, wow, God did this here in my life. God did this here in that person's life. God answered these prayers so we can go back and look at them and talk about them as we interact with one another. So go get your journal. Now here's the third assignment. I want you, and I'm only giving three, I won't give any more journal assignments, but I will talk about it through the year. I want you to write down these categories. So I want you to start out with god or spirituality or your relationship with god and then i want you to look at your relationships with other people i want you to look at your emotions at your environment at your occupation the way you use your mind your intellect and your physical body and i want you to write down what's going on there and what god is calling you to do in those different areas now i know that could be overwhelming as you begin to realize, wow, in all these areas, God is probably calling me to do stuff. And if you're anything like me, maybe you're not, but you all come here, so I'm thinking you're something like me, you go, all right, I'm going to conquer all of these things. And I attempt to do them all, and I fail, because I attempt to do them all. And so I want to help you kind of get started. So the first step is just simply to do a little bit of analysis. That's all I want you to do. Don't think you're going to make any choices to change. Okay, You're just going to do an analysis. Yeah, I should lose 30 pounds. Okay, write that down. I think that's a good thing, right? Maybe I need to deal with my relationship with my mom. I usually get angry every time I sit next to her. I'm, I'm not actually confessing this. This is just some examples, just so you know. This Mom's usually sitting right there. Um, I just want you to write those things down. Now, I was going to show you this chart, but again, we had some problems. So, what scientists have figured out is, and you can figure this out too, is that resolutions don't work. Right? And And the ones that do, there's a reason that they work. And that is because you enjoy doing what you're doing. What people have found in a lot of different studies is that if you enjoy the new habit, then you'll keep the new habit. Or if you know, it's an enjoyable thing for you to do, you'll pick it up pretty easily, even if you've dropped it off, right? Now, part of the reason that is, is because just we'll use diet for an instance. We we look at it and we think, God, my God must be telling me, I, I think, man, I need to work on, I need to get in shape, I need to lose some weight. Okay, so I'm going to go on a diet. So I'm going to pick one of the many diets, Atkins... You, you name it, you, all those kinds of diets. And I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start running and preparing for a marathon. These are the three things I'm going to do because I need to get my life in shape, right? Wrong. <laughs> it's That sounds miserable, right? It's, it's miserable and it's actually not how God has designed you. So let me give you an example of the way that God has designed you and how it might work best. So if you were thinking, man, I need to get in shape and I need to lose some weight, well, the logical thing is you probably should eat healthy, right? That's a good thing. So what you're going to do tomorrow if you're going to eat healthy is you're going to eat one piece of lettuce. That's it. One piece of lettuce, right? That's all you got to do, one little piece of spinach. But the next day you're going to eat two pieces of spinach. Right Until the point where you actually kind of enjoy eating spinach, and wow, a month later, one meal out of the day is salad. Wow. You barely knew that it happened to you, right? Because you slowly are introducing something good without overwhelming yourself. Because here's kind of how we do it with God. We're like, okay, God, I analyze my life. Seems like this is all good. Okay, I'm going to cut my chest open. I'm gonna rip my body out. You fix everything, then we'll sew it back together, and it should all be good, right? We do, you know, open heart surgery to change ourselves. I mean, we ask and we want God to change it. It doesn't work. That's not how God interacts with it because God interacts in a relationship, right? If you're trying to help your son or daughter change their food habits, you don't say, "All right, I'm gonna teach you to eat broccoli." So guess what? We're having broccoli souffle. We're having, you know, sautéed broccoli. We're having broccoli and mushrooms. Every single day, you put this pile of broccoli on the poor kid's plagues. and they are like, man, I really don't like broccoli, and now I don't want to eat any broccoli ever again, right? You don't do it that way. You lovingly, slowly introduce broccoli into your child's life. You help them create a palate for it, right? As you analyze and look at your life, I want you to think about the act, just one thing that you are going to transform. And then I want you to offer that to God. I don't want you to do anything about it. I just want you to say, okay, God, I want you to change me. I'm going to do just one tiny little thing. So I do want you to do one little thing. But listen to what happens when God confronts these people after they've taken careful thought about the way they've been doing things. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shelotel or whatever, Joshua, son of Zehudadak, the high priest, the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai. And here's why they listened. Because the Lord, their God, had sent him and the people fear the lord which i think is pretty true about all of you guys right most of you know me most of you let me sit up here so i'm assuming that most of you think i'm supposed to be here because god's put me here to offer you something okay so i'm asking you to listen to me for that one reason and the second reason is because i know all of you fear the lord and i really really think that god is asking you to take a serious look at what's going on in your life and ask is the rule of peace of Christ in my life? Is there peace in all these different areas? And what needs to change to bring about peace? Okay? Now listen to what the response is. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, whatever, the high priest and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So the people's response was like, all right, I'm ready to do it. And God tells them the first thing, which is, I am with you. I am with you. We talked about last week when Jesus sends his disciples off in, in Matthew 28. That what does he tell us? I'm I'm never going to leave you. I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. Right? I am with you. So as you approach all of these things, as you begin to think about what God might be calling you to, and where the peace of Christ needs to come rule in your life, the thing that's really exciting and encouraging is that Jesus, God, says to you, I am with you. Right? I am with you. When I was in the 6th grade, I was playing soccer, and I had been playing soccer year-round since kindergarten, and we moved to Indiana. I was playing on a soccer team, and they picked the all-stars of this league, which was then to go play a bunch of traveling teams, which is like the worst thing ever. Um, but I was picked as the best goalie of the league, so I got to be on this team. Um, and so we played our first game at Notre Dame. That's where we went to all play in the big fields. It was really exciting. And the first game, by the first half, we were losing 10 to 0. And our soccer team did not get the ball past the half line. And so I, as the goalie, just had hundreds and hundreds of shots, and as on goal, and as, you know, in my memory, it seemed like thousands, right? And so I got pulled out, and they put another goalie in, and it got worse. And so I remember my dad walking me around, and I'm just like sobbing. I'm like, Dad, I can't do this. Like, I want to be out on the field. At least I can kick the ball. Like, I think I can get it past the half line, right? I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, I got to the point when people would coming at me, I just started screaming at them and running, because I was just tired, like running at them. I was going to knock them over. I was going to try to intimidate them, because I didn't know what else to do. But I was crying, and I remember my dad, he's walking around with me, and he basically said this. He said, Eric, I'm with you. We got nobody else. You're it. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm on the sidelines. You can do this. He didn't leave. And when I think about when God says, I am with you, I think about my dad standing there on the sidelines with this crying son saying, you can do this. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Which, in my sporting life, is the thing that my dad um, has always been for me, in the moments when things were really hard and difficult. was well, He would say these things to me. He would say, I'm with you, Eric. You can do it. And we'd go on these long walks. And I think this is what God is saying to the Israelites. This is what Jesus says to us as we face the things that we need to wrestle with. But the second thing that happens here is that the Spirit of God stirs up the king, stirs up the high priest, and stirs up the people to the point where they want to change, right? The Holy Spirit comes on the people to do the things that they can't do. So here's kind of how I want you to break this down. I want you to go get that journal I want you to write those prayer requests. I want you to start this journal of what God is doing. But this week, I want you to just take a little bit of time, look at these areas of your life, and as you look at your relationships and all the different things, I want you to hear God saying as you face something where you're like, oh my gosh, I do need to deal with that with my mom and my wife or my kids or whatever it is. I want you to hear God saying, I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to abandon you in this. I'm with you. And then I want you you to ask God to stir up your heart to do what you need to do. That That God will narrow your focus and stir up your heart so that you can do this, so that you can change. Because here's the reason why I want you to do this. Because I think we've been saying as a community all year and it's last year and it's the theme of our community, it's healing the city one person at a time. That's what we're about. But the only way that we can do that effectively is if we are people who are ruled by the peace of Christ. Lives do not transform if your life is chaotic. If you're unwilling to bring your life underneath God. So This year we're going to walk through just a few weeks in Haggai and then we're going to enter into Lent and we're going to talk about prayer and we're going to spend time practicing prayer as a community. So we'll have some Saturday prayer times that we're going to do. Um, But I really think God is calling us as a people. And so if you're visiting with us, you're part of this. He's calling us as a people to begin to 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 be a people that are ruled by the peace of Christ and who are are willing to move out and offer that peace of Christ to one another and to the world around us in a really intentional way. But to do that, we're going to have to huddle up for just a little bit and begin to pray that God would stir up our hearts as a community and as individuals. So, I need to pray. We're running out of time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much um, for our community. Thank you so much for uh, challenging us. And I just ask that as we sit and eat together, that you would give us an intentional um, sense to, to ask one another questions about what we might be called to change, be transformed, to bring the peace of Christ in our life. I just ask that that would be part of tonight. And I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.